Welcome, live from the L.A. area, it's the James Louis Show. I am James Lindberger, your host. Thank you for coming and listening. This is your show. Thursday, September 13th, 2018, episode 16. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Please give us a rating or comments in the views on Apple Podcasts iTunes because by doing so that keeps us staying on the air. Thank you. People, I'm sorry, I got a hacker in this account right now. He or she is all over my Anchor account and all over my iPhone. They've been turning stuff on and turning stuff off. And I found out they got into my account and messed up a whole bunch of my other uh, episodes. I tried to straighten them out. They pulled some stuff off, deleted some stuff, added some stuff. So, I've decided to share this today. Someone else asked me to share it too. So, I'm going to go ahead and share it. Okay. I got in trouble. I was a troublemaker growing up as a kid. And what happened with me, my parents used to abuse me really bad, emotionally and psychologically. Every night I was going out and taking my anger out on people in society. I was busting windows, I was slashing tires, I was slashing uh, people's hoods with razor blades, I was cutting up people's Corvette covers. I would make tennis ball cannons and hit the backside of these trailers. truck drivers would slam on the brakes because they thought they uh, blew a tire. I mean, and guess what? It was only a small notebook. So this started back in elementary, went all the way into middle school, and then I think it was my, oh, my seventh grade year. Yeah, it had to have been. I was at Ottawa Middle School in Saginaw Township. Um, This girl came and tapped me on the shoulder as in one of my classes. She goes, "Uh, you need to go to the Saginaw Township Police Department. Someone there wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't walk quickly, I walked slowly, and I'm like, geez, I wonder what's going on. Is someone in the family hurt? Or is someone injured? I thought there was a family member in the hospital, and I kept thinking, who got injured? Or who's dying, you know? So I get in there, and this officer goes, son, have a seat right there. 
he made me sit in the lobby for about 20 or 30 minutes. Then he goes, step in my office. Mind you, this was the juvenile officer. Now I'm going to tell you, whenever I got in trouble with the law, I was a fast runner. I could outrun the cops like crazy. Um, but you know, it was different from my brothers and my cousins. And they always used to tell me, oh, you suck. You don't know how to run. Bullshit. If I got someone behind me that's got a gun out, I'm going to be hauling ass. I ain't going to be dogging it. Well, anyhow, um, he says, I need you to come in my office. He made me sit there for another 48 minutes, but the, the door was shut. And I'm like, my God, what's going on? I started I start getting really scared. So about an hour and a half goes by. By this time, I'm sweating. My palms are sweating. My forehead's sweating. I was sweating under my armpits because I didn't know what was going on. But guess what? Why he was outside watching me, there was a stack of two stacks of folders that were the size, half the size of a Oxford dictionary. And I kept going, uh-oh, this is relation in relation to some of the stuff I did. So the guy sits down, comes in after an hour and a half. He goes, young man, how you doing today? I said, uh, just fine. So he opens up one of the folders and he starts going through all this stuff and he goes, well, excuse me, pardon me, I got allergies really bad out here in California. I mean, makes me sniffle, I'm sorry about that. I, I've blown my nose so many times. Anyhow, I'm trying to do the best not to. So, he starts going, well, see this right here? This report says that the neighbors saw you squatting down in the bushes and throwing stuff at vehicles. And I said to him, well, I, I may be able to confirm that or I may not be able to confirm that. Um, but he kept going on. He goes, see a pattern here? He goes, I already know that there's problems at home. I'm like, well, how do you know that there's problems at home? Oh, I know. So we got to talking, and he goes, these two big files are, are on you. You've done all this shit for the, since middle school all the way up to uh, seventh grade. And I said to him, I said, now look. <laughs> I... Uh, I pinched my fingers about an inch apart. I said, this right here, that much I did do. But all this other crap is people putting the blame on me when they get caught. I said, I'll take, I'll take responsibility for an inch of all that paperwork. But all the rest I didn't do. And then he starts saying, well, your brother said that you did it here. I said, no, I didn't do that. He did that. 
He didn't, he, and, and then he goes, well, your cousin Chris and Keith over here said you did it. I said, no, they did that so they wouldn't get arrested. I said, if, if I were to put all these people under a lie detector, that needle would be going all over the place because they'd be so nervous. I said, they're just using me as an escape goat. He goes, well, by this time I'm standing up leaning over his desk. He goes, sit down. He goes, my name is Officer Ron Roach. I am a third or fourth cousin on your mom's side. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. He goes, I know that you've been dealing stress in your family from, for quite some time. He goes, I know that you come from a rich and powerful family. Uh, People won't go up against your family because of the, the power and the wealth that they have here in the community and throughout the state. He goes, uh, here's the thing. He goes, if you do one more crime, we're going to put you in juvenile hall. I said, sir, I haven't done anything in six months. So how the hell, how the hell have I have done it if I didn't do it? He says, I'm just telling you. If you decide that your parents stress you out and you decide to go out and act, he goes, we're going to try you as an as a, uh, adult teenager. That means you'll be in juvenile hall until your 18th birthday. He goes, you'll lose your freedom. He goes, but I'm going to give you an option. He goes, what I'd like to see you do is I want to see you channel all that negative energy that your family's doing to you to do something positive. He goes, got two choices. You can either go into the police explorer program or the fireman's explorer program. It's actually a branch of the Boy Scouts. Go in and you learn a skill. <coughs> Excuse me. So I decided to go into fireman program which I thought was kind of cool. I was going to be a fireman. But then all of a sudden I saw that all the cute girls were in the police explorers. And there was just a whole bunch of homely guys <laughs> that were in the fire department program. So I jumped ship. And it was probably one of the best things. Because uh, my cousin, Ron Roach, he was a juvenile officer for our community, um, he goes, I'm glad to see you here, son. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to channel that energy. And he did. Uh, I learned a lot. He goes, you're not the only one with problems. He, d he deliberately did not tell my mom how dangerous some of the ride-alongs would be. So I signed up for ride-alongs. You're not given any guns, but you're given uh, a billy club, handcuffs, and a radio, walkie-talkie. So we'd go out and assist the police on Fridays or Saturday nights. And Thursday or Wednesday, it's been a while. I always took Friday. I took the shift from 4 in the afternoon to 12 at night. And my mom said, he can do that, but there's one exception. I want someone to bring him home once he gets done. And my mom, she signed a waiver. She didn't know. 
my first night when I was on patrol, we went into a very dangerous situation. There was four burglars in a Skidoo store. They were trying to steal uh, snowmobiles and they were trying to break into the safe. And uh, my senior officer had to go into a store, pitch black dark. He said, I want you to crawl down in the foot space there. Here's the radio. If you hear any gunfire going off, I want you to call dispatch and I'll get, I'm going to tell you the code. So I get scared. I'd never been in a situation like that. I, actually, I truthfully have to say I peed my pants that night. That was the first time. So after that, um, I did a lot of traffic stops. The sad part is every Friday night I was busting my friends I grew up with because they were under the influence of either drugs or alcohol. And some of, them, some of my friends got really violent when they were drinking. And when we were in the police, ex, excuse me, in the police explorers, they taught us uh, martial arts, self-defense. Uh, we had a narcotics officer that taught us all the type of prescription drugs. It was up on a uh, push-up board. So we would learn the different drugs and we'd learn how to look at people's pupils. We had a eye chart that let us know where their pupil was, whether they were under the influence of either stress, alcohol, or drugs. I used to have to arrest people, read them their Miranda rights. I assisted quite a bit in doing DUI checks where we would have people walk a line and do a balance and recite the alphabet backwards. I also learned how to process them in, take their picture, take their fingerprints. Um, and by the, the later part, which would be a year and a half later, we got trained by the Secret Service because at that time we were going into, what was it, 1980, yeah, if I remember correctly, 1980 election. So, again, I didn't tell my mom everything, so I signed a waiver. My mom signed the waiver. I said, oh, it's just a piece of cake. She didn't know that my life was going to be in danger again, otherwise she would have not approved it. And then from there, uh, for two and a half months, I signed in and signed out. We had uh, two to three hour practices every day. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff from a senior Secret Service that had two years. I learned uh, stuff from a Navy SEAL. I learned uh, someone that was a master in military jiu-jitsu. I also learned black belt. Uh, I learned a lot of stuff. It was a lot of paramilitary training. <clears throat> then, the day that Ted Kennedy came, I was observant. Uh, there was a lady that had been stalking Ted Kennedy. I can talk about this now, because, excuse me, because he is deceased. 
um, there was a lady that had enough C4 explosives on her body to take out 10 blocks. And thank God I was paying attention because I was at ground zero. And I kept telling my other partner that was on the police explorers, I said, look, this is real. This is not pretend. He kept saying, man, we're like Adam 12. I said, you gotta pay attention out here. There are people that have an intent to hurt presidential candidates or presidential people. So anyhow, I told this lady that she was in a, in a restricted area and we were not allowing any uh, clown grams. Because a clown gram is where someone dresses up as a clown and they do a singing telegram for someone's birthday. And as I was running across the field to intercept her, she had a tarot wish, tore off her uh, clown suit, and I saw all the C4 explosive with a detonator, detonator on her chest, and she had a detonator in her right hand. And all of a sudden, I shouted the code word five times. They formed a circle around Ted Kennedy, swooshed him into his bulletproof limousine, and drove him off. And me and two other Secret Service people, we jumped on this lady, and we were fighting with her. She was, God, she hit. She was on some drugs that really was giving her extra juice, and I think it was PCP. Well, anyhow, me and this other Secret Service, we broke her thumb and we held her thumb back on her wrist. And the three of us kept her hand stable because we didn't know whether she had a kill switch in her uh, underarm area because she was trying to move. And we did not want that hand to go to the center because there was probably another kill switch she was getting. By this time, out of nowhere, 33 Secret Service people descend on us with a white van and semi-automatics just come popping out of their suits. And at this point, there's 18 of us on her and there was two guys that had semi-automatics on her head and they said, release your hand. So we got our hand in a different position and all of a sudden the Secret Service got this white duct tape and they taped her up really quick and we got her into the van and they drove her off. And I, I asked, what's going on? And this guy that had been on Teddy's uh, detail for about three years, he said, this lady's been stalking him for three years. And he said, uh, last month she showed up on his driveway at his house in Florida. I'm like, holy cow. But he told me, I got a letter from him or a phone call a month and a half later, and they said, you did a really good job. She, she's still in a federal psychiatric hospital for life. But I had gotten a presidential award from, uh, um, who was the president? He was either Jimmy Carter or President Ford. I got an outstanding uh, award from him, one that I got, but the black stayed in Saginaw Township Police Department. 
They actually took it down to make room for other Secret Service details that they've done. But my, my uh, plaque is somewhere in that police department. And I had received a presidential recommendation. And because of this, when we moved <coughs> from Saginaw to East Lansing, one of my uh, female friends, her father was the director at the Michigan State Police Post, and she talked her dad into hiring me. I was the youngest state trooper ever in the state of Michigan. I was 17 and a half, and he took me in just on the grounds that I had that presidential recommendation. And then I did a fabulous job. My job, was, I started out in data processing. Then they moved from data processing. They thought we, we could better utilize my skills. So then what they did is they moved me to the state capitol. My job was to protect the governor, the state legislators, and the Michigan judges. And that's where I also graduated into the Army because they went, whoa, you get a presidential award. Oh, dang, you're good. You're an all-around athlete. What really attracted them, too, was the fact I was fabulous in gymnastics. They said, well, we could probably sign you up for special ops. So I signed up for a six-month delayed entry, but then they found out, oh, my God, we really need them because they had a whole bunch of people retire. So I went in with my shipping and receiving degree. I did two years at a vocational school while I was going to high school. So when I went in, I started out as a private, but they moved me up to a staff sergeant. And then I got injured because this guy didn't like me from the south, but I broke my back. Almost died. I was in a coma for eight hours. Thank God my brother was down there when I was down there. <clears throat> the people down there did not know that I was a U.S. soldier. They just thought I was a civilian. Then I came back and I had to have major back surgery. So since then I've been partially uh, disabled. I can't do full gain employment. But that doesn't stop me. I get out and do what I can with my body, you know. Got to keep the mind sharp and got to keep the body strong best I can. Well, I see that I've gone over a little bit on my time today. So I want to conclude with y'all have a nice evening and come back tomorrow. Again, this is the James Louis Show. Thank you. support and become a subscriber today and share with others. Thank you and come back soon. Oh, thank you.